you for listening to this message from the North Gate. Um, but man, I really want to teach you guys something on this Romans 8. And so if you have your Bibles with me, um, we're going to start in uh, the book of James. And then we're going to jump into Romans, Ephesians, and land back in James. But the Lord began to deal with me on something when we were at camp. On the in, I've been talking a lot here lately about the interweaving of the body of Christ, correct? And how important it is. And we got with Uncle Bobby and started talking about time, about let's just go back over this again just for a little refresher because you ain't been around me. Everybody ready? Most famous scripture text on the planet. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but through him, the world, the cosmos might be saved. So what we did inside of two-dimensional thinking, okay? I'm I'm in very heavy teacher mode today, okay? Dimension one on the sea of glass. I'm, I'm going here with it. Dimension one on the sea of glass in front of the throne of God. On the sea of glass, the most transparent place in the kingdom, The throne of God is in front of the sea of glass. There is the triune Godhead, which is love, loving, love, loving, love, no matter where you flip this. We were all conceived from another world, not here. You were actually birthed inside of the love of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You were conceived, you were thought of, you were dreamed up to co-labor with the God of the universe inside the triune Godhead of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And where was that hand? That was done at the throne of God on the sea of glass. And inside of this, when you look at this, you can see so many more dimensions and see beyond time. We've got to get time to start working on our side. And one of the ways that we're going to get time to work on our side is when we can go from one dimension past two-dimensional thinking. This is a two-dimensional picture of a three-dimensional object. Y'all tracking with me? Okay. So this is this. Okay, this is dimensions. A lot of people don't talk about this. God operates in ages and dimensions. Okay. So in this, we were all mostly taught two-dimensional Christianity. Have an encounter with God. What do you pick, heaven or hell? Every single one of us should be picking heaven because hell wasn't made for any of us. Hell was made for Lucifer. It was made for fallen angels. It was not made for any single one of us. A lake of fire was not made for us, so it's already in your nature not to choose it. But we sit in a fear of two-dimensional thinking of my walk with God is so fragile, not realizing that you were birthed inside of love, that being birthed inside of love, you don't have to think two-dimensional of how I can screw this thing up because he's a father that loves you. And so in that, when you think two-dimensional, you see yourself small. You see yourself as an AB type person. You see yourself as black or white. You can't see the dimensions authentic, the greatness, the creativity that's inside of you because you're a two-dimensional thinker. Am I good? Am I bad? Is it heaven? Is it hell? You can't see that we serve a three-dimensional God that when the cherubim fly around the throne of God, all they can do is declare that he's holy because they see him holy, not just holy, H-O-L. They see W-H-O-L-E. They see the whole picture of a God that is holy and whole, that has no missing components. That's why he's holy. And so in that, Jesus tries to come and teach us that we are whole, W-H-O-L-E, and we are holy as he is holy because we were made in Genesis in the likeness and image of God, which means likeness in the Greek is abilities. So every ability God had to create, to heal, to bring life, to bring joy, to bring light, You have the same dimensions inside of you, but you think too little of yourself. And so in that, you'll come to the place of the encounter of love that started happening in this room that you say, my life means a little bit more than a two-dimensional wake up and go to bed. More than just a -a 40-hour-a-week paycheck, my life means a little bit more. I have value. I have worth. I am a whole person 
person, even though I can't see the fullness of me. Once you start seeing the fullness of God's love, you'll start seeing the fullness of who you are. And now you, instead of thinking everlasting is just heaven or hell, you'll start realizing that the word everlasting means without beginning or end. And so when you see yourself in three dimensions, you see yourself whole. And so inside of seeing yourself whole, you'll head into the fourth dimension, which if you would just Google tesseracts, you would see how a three-dimensional object that actually starts moving in the direction it was designed to move in, this is the same thing. Do you realize that your future is actually bigger than what you realize? Do you realize your impact in the earth is bigger than you realize? Do you realize that the love of God can grow your life into something that can reach others? And that's where we get into the fifth dimension. The fifth dimension is one of my favorites. I don't teach on this stuff much because I don't want you going weird on me. But you're going to have to understand why I'm so adamant about preaching on unity and listen religion thinks it's because i'm trying to control no i'm actually trying to get you to peer beyond the veil is what i'm trying to get you to do i'm not trying to control you i'm trying to get you so connected to the body of christ that through the fifth dimension things can start moving in and out like the same thing that jacob saw at penal things start moving in a heavenly realm of an in and out dimension where angels understand the fifth and sixth dimensions. If angels can ascend and descend, then so can we. If Lucifer, who will never touch heaven for eternal life, can ascend and descend, why can't we ascend and descend? Lucifer literally went and said, give me Peter. He literally said, give me Moses. He was asking for men of God, put them in my hands. Let me stress, let me torment Job to the place that he curses you. If he can ascend and descend, what kind of veil have you put up in two dimensions that makes you think that you're not a supernatural being? What kind of lie have you bought into that you don't have any value? That's why the enemy divides us and makes us offended and makes us mad and makes us insecure and anxious and he hurts us and we live with heart hurts when we are called to be whole as God is whole and we are called to be holy as God is holy. Are y'all tracking with me on this? So inside of this, do you see all these little triangles? Do you see how this moves and opens? There's a dimension inside of love where, listen, one person can connect to another person in the body of Christ, and the connection and the covenant be so strong that it becomes unmovable. And when the body of Christ can get to the place where they come into such unity, they can literally start doing literally what the Bible says, in Him I live and move and have my being. In Christ Jesus. Why are you using triangles? Because this makes an end movement look possible. When you keep looking at men, you don't think that they can do supernatural stuff anymore because the world has convinced you to be two-dimensional. Religion itself has made you think Christianity is all based upon heaven or hell, but Jesus himself said, I need you to pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth. There's an access of heaven on earth. And so we have to get to the place. That's why the greatest scripture text, I believe, is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall perish but have everlasting life. What's the next catch? You'll miss all of 16 when 17 messes with you. You feel condemned. Your condemnation for yourself or your condemnation for someone else will block you off that God so loved you. And you know what it'll mess with next when you don't realize you're so loved? It'll mess with your belief system. And you won't believe in everlasting life that is without beginning or end. So you know what I tell everybody in this room? I can't die. What do you mean? Well, you can take my flesh and put it in the ground, but I'll live forever. I can't die. Better yet, watch this, because this is where the heresy police were like, there's a preacher running around the streets saying he can't die. You can't either. 
That's why I tell people when they lose a loved one, to us in our two-dimensional thinking, time has tormented us. When we cross through the veil to the everlasting life, you're going to see your loved one and they go, hey, man, I just saw you yesterday. I just saw you yesterday. I just saw you yesterday. Because you want to know what makes time work is connectability. If I were to take a clock and open it up, what makes time work? It's connectability of the gears. Without the gears being connected, you can't tell time. And some of us feel like we have missed everything because we have lack of connectability. Where do I fit in? So I go to this church and I go to that church and where do I fit in? And I do this and I do that. And I fast and I pray and I check this box and I check that box and am I good enough yet? And still, guess what you don't feel? After a 40-day fast, you still don't feel good enough. You're just hungry. (laughs) Does that say don't fast? No, literally Jesus was asked, why do your disciples not fast? And he said, they don't have to fast because the bridegroom's with them. The only reason you need to feel fast is if you realize that he's not with you. Why do your disciples not fast, Jesus? They don't have to because the bridegroom is with them. We start fasting because when religion, we made God far off behind so many veils because we have no connectability to his body. And when you're not connected to his body, you can't understand what the head thinks about you. You can't understand what the head feels about you. You don't understand the headship and the kingship of Jesus because we made God far off because his body's actually right in this room and his body's the church down the road and his body's the next county over and his body's in Toledo. And so why are we seeing such a depth of the move of God like we've never seen before? Because a church in Ohio is connected to a church in Florida and a church in Florida, and literally it's amazing. Literally the time scale that Jacob operated in with Rachel and Leah. He literally served a man for 14 years, but he was in so much love. He said it felt like it was just a few days. Why could he make that statement? Because he was connected. He was in love. He didn't feel condemned. Watch, even when he got tricked, he didn't feel like he missed out. See how the enemy keeps lying to us that we feel like we're missing something? So this is why we need to understand connectability. Go with me to James. I told you, you got to bear in with me tonight. Confess your trespasses or sins or faults to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Watch this. The effective, passionate, fervent prayer of what kind of man? What do we know about righteousness? Right standing? No, can't be. Who's who's God in right standing with? Righteousness is to be as you ought to be. Whole. Whole, full. Y'all tracking with me? I told you I'm in teacher mode tonight. I'm not in evangelistic mode. I'm in teacher mode because I'm going to show you something here in a second, how we are not going to allow the enemy to divide us anymore. We're not going to allow small two-dimensional thinking to divide us anymore. I can see one of my brothers from another state not have seen him for six months to a year. And when I see him, because the relationship's whole and it's not fragile, we pick up right where we left off. So listen, if I can, can I have, listen, can y'all hear me? If I could kind of have that kind of human relationship, why do you think your relationship with God is that fragile? Yes. I didn't pray for a week. I didn't pray for a month. I didn't go to church. God's going, we'll pick right up where we left off. We'll pick up right where we left off. Does that mean you, well, brother, you're giving people a license to be a backslider? No, I'm not because if they ever find out their love, they're not going to make that relationship fragile anymore. So why don't we teach them the trueness of the relationship rather than talk about backsliding all the time? Because literally in Jeremiah, it says he's married to the backslider. Wasn't there a girl named Gomer who left and Jesus is a representation of the man whose wife is a prostitute? He goes after her when she gave herself away. He literally pays for her so she don't starve. God loves us more than we realize and we need a message of love, not a message of fear because it's goodness and kindness that calls a man to repentance. Telling you how bad you are is not going to make you change. It'll make you feel condemned. 
Well, brother, we call that conviction. If it was real conviction, then transformation would happen. Oh, wow. yeah. Real conviction yes. will call a man into the goodness and love of God. We have preached fear and people feel condemned and they run to the altar and say, I'm sorry, but they go right back to the vomit. I'm sorry, and they go right back to the vomit. You need to tell them how good and loving and kind the father is. When the prodigal son ran back to the father, he did not run back to a fearful judge that was full of punishment. He ran back to a father with his arms wide open. And who told that story? Jesus told that yes. story. That's right. Come on. Jesus told that story. No matter how far you run from me, I'll meet you in the road. And no matter how much condemnation thinking you have about yourself on how I'm going to treat you. See, I don't have to preach these messages to teenagers. Because it's you that think you've wasted your inheritance. I get 13, 14, 15-year-olds in the room. They think they're loved by God. You tell them they're loved by God. They're like laying on each other, crying. Say that to adults. You got to cast the line. You got to pull again. And you got to pull again. And you got to pull again. And you got to pull again. Are you complaining about pulling? No, I'm not at all. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to do. I'm going to prove it here in a second. This is what will take us into the sixth dimension that will make us operate in the veil is thin and heaven is closer than you realize. Heaven is closer than you realize. Are y'all tracking with me? Heaven is closer than you realize. Everlasting without beginning or end is closer than you realize. The veil is thinner. Matter of fact, there's actually no veil at all. Let's just get real with it. There's no veil at all. And so what we need to start believing is, is that we can come into such a place of relationship that we can confess things to one another and be so interwoven together that the effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man who knows that he is loved by God and is he is as he ought to be. What happens? Do you realize that this right here, James 5.16, is what we're on the brink of with the arcs? Do you realize that we're on the brink of the effective prayers of the righteous? Watch when I said effective, effective, not throw a tear in a bucket, hope they get healed, effective. We're raising up a generation of effective people that can confess things to one another. (sighs) The church hasn't seen this because we hide in our hypocrisy. Because if I tell you what I'm struggling with and I tell you what I'm hurting about and I tell you what I'm offended about, then you just throw me away too and you'll just disappoint me too and you'll just reject me too and that's all I'll see is two-dimensional my whole life. Do you love me or not? Do you love me or not? It's two-dimensional thinking to take a flower and pluck a petal. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. That's not how God operates and that's how we shouldn't operate either. Yes. But that's how we're trained. That's how we're trained. If I perform good enough, will you love me? If I perform good enough, will you love me? Will you love me? And God's going, man, I've got a group of people that they'll be able to confess pornography. They'll be able to confess murder. They'll be able to confess addiction. They'll be able to confess lies. They'll be able to confess faults. They'll be able to confess weakness. They'll be able to confess and we'll be able to look at each other and say, it's okay. You know why? Because we're actually starting to now radiate the love of God. When somebody look, dude, I had a man look at me last year at a football game in the parking lot and say, I don't like you. Where were you? Where have you been? You were called to be my spiritual father. I think you're all about money. I think you're this. Brother, he, I mean, he lit in, in public in front of everybody. And when he finished, I looked at him, you know what I said? I love you. He was expecting a different response from a different Jimmy, Lovejoy. But that Jimmy don't exist anymore. Some of you want the gym, and I'll never be that guy ever again. Because some of you don't think God can do something bigger than the gym. Yes. 
But God's saying that wasn't my end point and that wasn't my finish line in that gym. My finish line is the fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much, not in one man's gift, but in a people's family. In the kingdom of Almighty God. Y'all got to hear me tonight. Y'all got to hear what I'm saying. Y'all got to hear me. You got to hear me. We keep too much stuff bottled up. We keep too much stuff inside. We keep too much stuff stuffed away. And we stuff and we stuff and we stuff. We get offended. We get mad. We leave. And now we become one step further away from the fervent prayers being righteous and being availing and being effective. We get further away. But you know what's funny? As we get further away, God's going up. I'm not running out of time because I'm going to find a group that's going to love people regardless of what church they go to, whether they talk in tongues or don't talk in tongues. I'm going to find my body that is focused about me and my presence and encountering my love. And this group might walk in divine healing and this group over here might walk in deliverance a little bit more and this one over here and some of them might manifest all the colors. But you know what? I'm not worried about manifesting anything because I'm just worried about being loved. My focus is the love of God. Shed abroad for all. My focus is the love of God. So go with me to Romans 8. Good intro. We got an hour before half off appetizers. So listen. Romans 8, 14. The mature children of God. What is a mature somebody, not somebody of age? Can I just unfold the lie? Mature Christianity has nothing to do with age. If it did, Jesus wouldn't have chose teenagers to be his disciples. Jesus' disciples, the oldest one was Peter and he was 24. The youngest one was John and he was 14. So maturity... And I'm not knocking people who've been through some stuff. But I'm telling you right now, those of you that have been through things have walls around your heart and a 14-year-old don't. You've got walls around your heart a 14-year-old does not. Okay? So watch this. So the mature children of God, what's maturity? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's That's what maturity looks like. Maturity is a believer that walks in joy, a believer that walks in peace, and a believer that walks in righteousness, which is to be as I ought to be. So a mature child of God are those who are moved by the sudden impulses of the Holy Ghost. I know it says spirit, but I'm gonna say ghost. I'm old school. The impulses of the Holy Spirit When do you get back to being moved by the Spirit of God again? When do you get back waking up and going, who am I going to talk to Jesus about today? Who am I going to pray with today? Who am I going to prophesy over today? Who am I going to encounter that feels lost, broken, and hopeless? I don't care if it's at a gas station, at Walmart, wherever it's at, God, who am I going to impact today that I can speak your love into somebody's life? The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back to the fear of never being good enough. What we're being taught right now is that right there. Church people that have been to church for 30 years walk in the doors. Am I good enough today? Am I good enough today? Listen, been faithful tithers, went to every Bible study. Listen, check the box, check the box, check the box, check the box. Walk through the doors of the church and go, am I good enough for these people today? I know a lot of people in this room don't relate to this, but there's a handful of us in the room that do. And there's a handful of us on the live stream that do. And there's going to be people that pick up the podcast that have been serving the Lord their whole life and they're about to get liberated to be passionate, to be fiery, to be free and not be called a Jezebel and not be called a control freak, but literally through the joy, peace, and righteousness of the Holy Ghost, they get to move in the Spirit of God. And they don't need to be told, your fire's going to go out. No, blow wind and encourage their fire. Don't put a damper on it. How can I preach that one with such fervency? Because that's what they tried to do to me. 
Oh, you'll grow up. I did in righteousness, peace, and joy, and I'm still loud and still hyper and still got fire. You thought you grew up, Peter Pan. You just lost your wonder. You used to be able to fly, Peter, but now you're just two-dimensional with a 40-hour paycheck. Peter, you used to be able to fly, and you should be teaching your kids how to fly too. You used to be able to fly, and you should be teaching your kids how to fly too. If I can teach my children anything, it's to be fiery for God. It's to be fiery for God. And for them to never think that they are not good enough. If we can deal with one lie tonight, it's the lie of somewhere in your life, whether it's a father, a son, a daughter, a mother, employee, whatever it is, somewhere in your life, if you don't think you're good enough, then we need to get rid of that lie because you are who you are and you're great. You're great. You're great. You're great. So we are never going to lead back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you, watch this, into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned again. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join to him in saying the words of tender affection. Beloved father, not judge, beloved father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved children. Now go with me over to Ephesians 4. How are we struggling across the broad that we're not loved by God? Because we have many instructors and we have few fathers. And I could get in here and use an evangelistic gift and we could just swirl out and have fun. But what happens if we start teaching the heart truth? of the gospel what happens if we slow down a little bit and we actually get into some scriptures instead of just preaching one scripture text and taking the gift that we got and getting a response out of people I don't want a response out of you tonight I want your future unfolded tomorrow we don't need to come in here and get our church on so we don't ever grow up so we remain bitter Christians 30 years down the road I want this thing to be a playroom like it was here tonight when I'm 80 years old sitting on the front seat, I want to see the next generation with Zarzar's kids and Isaac's kids and Caleb's kids and there'll be a whole nother group of teenagers and then Cuddy's kids are up here and then Alexis's kids are up here and then Roy's kids are up here and Heaven's kids are up here and Talani and Tobias' kids are up Do you understand? We got to start seeing this thing generational and if all they see is criticism and bitterness and judgment, why do we keep judging the church when you weren't called to lead anything in the church? Oh, that got real quiet. It's easy for you to be critical and judge when you never led. That's why many people can be critical of a millionaire and you'll never become one. My God, that didn't go over so good. There's that little bit of evangelist in me right there. So what reveals the love of God to us? What reveals the union of God that we never feel orphaned again? The gifts that God has given us in the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 7. And he has generously given each one of us. Say me. Say me. God has given generously each one of us a supernatural grace according to the size of the gift of Christ. This is why... God ascends into the heavenly heights, taking his many captured ones with him. And then gifts were given to men. I'm not talking about offices right now. I honor the office of my apostle. I honor the office of a pastor. I honor evangelists when they come. I honor men that operate in offices. But many of you in the room have the gift of the fivefold ministry in you and you won't get close enough to a father to unlock it out of you. That didn't hit as much as that. You want to know why? You don't think you have value. You don't think you have value. And so everybody through religion wants to be the guy that preaches with the microphone rather than realize your workplace needs your apostolic anointing. 
Your workplace needs your pastoral gift. Your workplace needs your prophetic gift. Your city needs your evangelistic gift. Your neighborhood needs your evangelistic gift. Your family needs your evangelistic gift. And what we did is we based these things down into offices and we never unlocked what the New Testament church unlocked and that was the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. The gifting of that has the ability to operate of every single one of us. It's a gift, right? Apostle Paul said, if you desire a gift, then do it. That didn't mean desire to be an apostle. That don't mean desire to be a pastor. That don't mean desire to be a prophet. That means desire to carry an apostolic mantle and send people into what, beloved identity? Desire to prophesy to the people in your everyday life. Encourage them in the love of God. Be a teacher of the goodness and the kindness of God in everything that you do. Desire that the light of the gift of God, apostle, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, shine through you in your everyday He, God, ascended means that he returned to heaven after he had first descended from the heights of the heavens, even to the lower regions, namely the earth. The same one who descended is also the same one who ascended above the heights of heaven. In order, watch this, in order, watch this, in order to begin the restoration and the fulfillment of all things. What's Romans 8? What's Romans 8? Let's go back over to Romans 8. I didn't read it. I should have read it. I skipped one. But thank you, Holy Spirit, because he wanted it to, he wants you to know what the restoration of all things work, look like. Because what's Romans 8, 28? All things work together for the good to those who love God that are called according to his purpose, right? Everybody in this room is called. Preachers aren't the only ones called. Sons and daughters are the ones that's called. Yeah. You're called according to the purpose of God. Why? Because you are made in the image and likeness of God. This is a wake-up call here tonight. This is a wake-up call for you to get ready to shake Streetsboro. This is a wake-up call for you to get ready to shake. I'm telling you, I feel revival more now in my bones than I ever did in the gym. Why? Because I'm whole now. I'm whole now. Listen to me in this Romans 8. Watch this. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for what? Say good. good. Say good. good. So if everything's woven together for the good, why do you think bad things are so bad? Maybe God's wanting to watch some people take some bad things and make them good. We have to stop being critical when we serve a good God. Look at me. We have to stop being critical when all things work together for the good to those that love God. Do you believe what you believe or do you not believe it? All things work together for the good to those that love God. Yes. But you don't know my story. God does. And he's waiting for you to quit writing in it. He's waiting for you to quit writing it and let him write some of it. Y'all tracking with me? Yeah. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continued woven together for the good. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. For he knew all about us before we were even born. And he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son, Jesus. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like Jesus, having determined our destinies ahead of time. He called us to himself, transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he has called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness to be as you ought to be, he glorified with his son. Go back to Ephesians 4 verse 10. The same Jesus who designed is also the one who ascended above the heights of the heavens in order to begin the restoration of the fulfillment of all things. Somebody said there's an end game. And it's not just us being caught up in a rapture. There's a, the word restoration here. A restoration of what? 
all things. A restoration of Eden, a restoration of the earth, a restoration of your family, a restoration of your city, a restoration of a generation. But how do we get to this place of restoration? Does anybody want to know how the earth gets restored? Does anybody want to know? Do you you guys want to? I'm done watching the crap I see in the earth. So I'm ready for the hate and the division to come to an end. I'm ready for restoration. I'm giving you the whole picture right here. And it's not he's just coming to burn the earth with fire. Okay? In order to begin the restoration and fulfillment of all things, and he has appointed some with grace to be apostles, some to be grace with prophets, some to be grace with evangelists, some to be grace with pastors, some to be grace with teachers, and their calling is to nurture and prepare the holy believers to do their works of ministry. And they do this. Do you know what ministry actually means here? It's not your ministry 501c3. It's acts of service. The word ministry there in the Greek is you need to be nurtured to prepare to serve other people. Come on. If we don't find ourselves preferring others over ourselves and find ourselves in a place of servanthood, then somewhere we've allowed a fractured heart to come in and we don't want to love people the way we should. Y'all tracking with me? So watch this. God has appointed gifts of an apostle. You have to receive this gift. You have to receive this gift. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry, own works of service. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ, not your church building. Enhance the kingdom, not divide the body, build it up and bring it together. Okay? So how do we start building the body? When we receive the gift of the apostle. When we receive the gift, who in here wants a gift? Y'all want a gift, right? You don't even know what's in here. So you want a gift. It's dressed up good though, isn't it? Looks like it's something important, don't it? Looks like something real nice is in here. Probably big, probably expensive. This is how we start looking at the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, you better be big. You better be flashy. Do you know what's in this gift? Nothing. Nothing. And when you want your gift of the apostle, prophet, and evangelist to be all dressed up, he said, no, I'll put it in a big mic. But I want it in this. But he's a flawed man. Exactly. 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 We're missing the building up of the body. We're missing effective prayers being answered. We're missing feeling fully alive because he sent us apostles, pastors, prophets, preachers, sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, and they have to be dressed up for you. And God says, no, I made them the way I made them to be righteous and whole. And I need you to love them in their flaws. And I need you to honor them the way they are because I made them that way. I made them that way and I need you to recognize the gift that's within them and quit looking at the bag that carries nothing. Quit looking for the show that actually carries nothing. There's a thousand shows that gathered this morning that didn't have an ounce of what we saw here. Oh I, feel, oh, I feel the fear of the Lord. I feel the fear of the Lord. You have to start. You have to receive. You have to receive the gift of the apostle. You have to receive the gift of the prophet. You have to receive. And quit putting unrealistic expectations on the gift. This is why the body feels empty. This is why the body's divided. 
This is why the body's critical. Oh, man, are you guys tracking with me? The church of America is weak right now. It's weak. It's frail. The effective, fervent prayers of the righteous are not availing because we don't know how to hear what Jesus asked in John 17. What did Jesus ask in John 17 before he ascended? Because we're talking about the ascension in the gifts, right? We're talking about the dimensions of God. What did Jesus himself look at his disciples and say? He said, I pray that you begin to love one another as I loved my father. The only way this thing works is back to the original intent in the circle dance of love, loving love, no matter what. No matter what, on the mercy seat of the sea of glass, we were born and conceived from a different world inside of love, loving love. Let's stop condemning one another. Let's stop judging one another. Let's stop hating one another. Let's start believing for transformation, global change, salvation, deliverance, healing, and it starts with us loving us. Yes. And you're not going to learn how to love yourself and love others if you cannot receive the gift of the very leaders that God appointed in the earth. And here's what we'll do in a critical spirit. I don't need the church. What do you mean you don't need the body of Christ? He died for the body, not for your independence, you two-dimensional thinker of heaven and hell. While you're waiting to get swept away in the sweet by and by and you're actually church hurt unforgiveness, while you're waiting to get swept away in your critical spirit in the sweet by and by because you will make it to heaven. But the fact of the matter is you were called to take a bunch of people with you. And it's time to stop following bitterness and critical and hate and division. So what if they do it different than you? Jesus actually showed us in the scriptures. James and John, the sons of thunder, saw some other people casting out devils and they went to call down the fire of heaven on those men. And Jesus himself said, stop. What do you mean, master? What they're doing, they're doing in my name. Leave them alone. It may not be the path that we're walking in together. And then, listen, we'll start to honor the deliverance ministry. And we'll start to honor the healing ministry. And we'll start to honor the word of faith. And we'll start to honor the prosperity. And then guess what? When we start honoring the different moves of God and the different functions of the body, God will start bringing this thing together and start intermingling. And we'll see a global revival rather than people being separated and divided in their own. Somebody hear me. Somebody hear me. And we'll never be able to love the church down the road if we can't love the people that's in this room. We'll never be able to get connected with the church down the road if we don't love one another rightly in here. I say it like this for the people that jump around offended and hurt and don't go make things right. You'll take your cancer over there. Because cancer in the body is cancer in the body. Cancer in the body is cancer in the body. Cancer in the body is cancer in the body. I don't like to hear anybody's mouth that talks about leadership or leaders or how leaders are doing things if you've never led nothing yourself. I don't track with you on Facebook. I don't don't give you the time of day because what you're doing is dividing because you'll find somebody with a heart fracture that will agree with you and you'll think that that, you'll think that that's it. That's my discernment. That ain't your discernment. That's you getting the hole in your heart. You think you're getting it fixed. Somebody all tracking with me? Watch. Watch, 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 watch. These graced ministries and functions of these gifts until we all attain oneness in the faith. Till we all attain oneness in the faith. Till we all attain oneness. Did not say clones. Did not, did not say anything like that. Did not say incestuous. It said all of us that attain oneness in the faith. What is oneness in the faith? It's love. Because what's oneness in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? It's love. It's love. So until we obtain love, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know what? Love. The Son of God is love. Until we know love, and finally we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions. Oh, there's that that word. 
that nobody wants to preach on till we understand the full dimensions, which I gave you six of them tonight, of spiritual maturity and fully develop into the abundance of Christ. And then our immaturity will end. What comes to an end in our immaturity? We will not be easily shaken by troubles, nor led astray by novel teachings or by false doctrines of deceivers, or that word could be dividers, who teach clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from where? Christ. And lead us into deeper into him, the anointed head body of the church. For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body. We are built up and made perfect in his love. Do you know what's awesome about these men's and women's nights? I'm not teaching any of them. You know who's teaching the men's and women's nights? You. And listen, when I say you, I mean all of y'all. I'm going to go to prayer and it could be next month. All right, Lita, you're teaching. I said her because she's the least ambitious person to want to get a microphone to this church. So you know what that means? Perfect. 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 Victoria, then you're the following month. Then Christy Lynn's the following month. Then Josh. Okay, then Roy. And you know what, you know what, you know what religion would say? They're not mature enough. Yeah, but they've got a peace for all of us. They've got a peace for all of us. And you know what I've learned? Me and this rascal right here are completely polar opposites in how we speak and how we minister. But do you know what I've noticed in maturity? That when I get up and preach or, 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 or evangelize like I did during worship, that ministers to the heart of men. And when this man gets up and prays and tears start running down his face and he can't hold his words together, that ministers to your heart too. We made denominations and we made churches out of personalities and preference and we're missing the body of Christ. We are hung up on personalities. Listen to me. We are hung up on preaching styles. We are missing the, I love that Johnson Dorn is way different than my apostle. And I love that I'm way different than Matt Brown. And I love that Mark Casto is way different, okay, than Bobby Limley. I love that. I love that. And you know what we're learning inside of this kingdom family? We're learning the diversities of the throne of God. When they, Listen, there's 24 elders casting down crowns. There's the four living creatures. The throne of, we want heaven on earth, right? Then we're going to have to be okay with diversity. Yes. We're going to have to be okay within our own church seeing the diversity of it. Well, brother, he's not as gifted as you are. We're not here to shake one service into multiple nights of revival. We're here to build a lifestyle for our kids 40 years down the road. I don't want Brownsville. I want Antioch. Yes. Go to Brownsville today. You know what it is? Dead. You know why? Because division creeped in. We couldn't love one another over the success and it was no man's success at all. It was God's the whole time. Three million people got saved in 1995 in Pensacola, Florida. And then people and denominations tried to put their name on it and the spirit of God went lifted, lifted, lifted. I met a young boy who was on the worship team and I said, man, tell me the most amazing thing about Brownsville. What's the most amazing thing about the Brownsville revival? And I've heard stories of people's extremities growing back, blinded eyes being open, tumors shrinking, supernatural moves of God. I said, what was the most powerful part? Tears started running down this boy's face. He said, I was young. I was a young teenage boy. He said in the prayer meetings that nobody wanted to attend, but a handful. 
He said, I can remember the fear of God being so strong in those prayer meetings. He said, I would literally crawl up under the pews and hide in the presence of God and shake. You want to know why? Because there were some men that started that lampstand with, with a fervent, effective prayers of the righteous. There was a man by the name of Steve Hill who loved people. And John Kilpatrick loved people. And they loved one another. And they weren't competitive with one another. But everybody wanted to dig their calls. The denomination, the people, the money. They wanted to dig their calls in it. What about if we're called to build a lampstand that the line wraps around the church not because of the worship leader and not because of the preacher but because Jesus is the center of attraction and we gave way for the gift of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher to teach us how to love, love ourselves and love God to the place that we build a lampstand in the presence of God loving each other and loving ourselves that God blesses it. Bless it for what, extended meetings? No, no, no. Every time you see a new building go up in this city, just remember how trashy it was. We drove by the Fifth Third Bank that's tore down where Raising Canes is going. You know what the Lord said? 5.30 prayer meetings, 5.30 prayer meetings. When Planet Fitness came in, 5.30 prayer meetings, 5.30 prayer meetings. And this is what religious people say. What are you praying for a gym for? Because people get healthy. What are you praying for nice restaurants for? Because I feel like there's going to come a point in this city where in this county, people's going to come here and just pray for days. And there won't be nothing on more than a pad. There won't be anything more on than a pad. Just instrumental music playing. Why? Because streets are real so special? No, because God's actually inviting this house to build a lampstand. Yes. <laughs> we're going to put the chalkboard back in the youth room. You know why? Because there's a group of kids in this place that remember names going on a chalkboard. And every name that went on the chalkboard, they showed up. So you know what the Lord said? Let the kids write the names on the chalkboard again. And Josh Kales' name was on that chalkboard. And Jeremy Kales' name was on that chalkboard. And Jimmy Cooked his name was on that chalkboard. Roy, your name was on that chalkboard. Your names, your names were on the chalkboard. Your names, your family members' names were on the chalkboard. The names were on the chalkboard. And then all of a sudden, the miracles, hepatitis C, started going on the wall. And we weren't aiming for miracles. We were tending a lampstand. And God is calling us now that we are beloved. Fiery prayers of the righteous will avail much. He's called us back to put oil on the lampstand. You thought you'd seen prayers get answered before. Now what happens when a group of people realize they're beloved by God? What happens when you realize that the righteous has never been forsaken? I'm giving you the end game pieces. You're getting the Easter egg right now. You're getting the Easter egg. For all the naysayers that said he was controlling and trying to get people, I was just trying to get you unified. I didn't know what I was doing. Was I harsh as a leader in the beginning? Yeah, because I, I was a general. But I stuck around for the baptism of beloved. And now I'm not a general, I'm a dad. Now I'm not a general, I'm a dad. I'm not condemning anybody anymore. I'm actually encouraging you through your hard times. I'm encouraging through hard times. I'm encouraging through your marriage. I'm encouraging you how you raise your children. Will you receive the gifts on my life so that we can fall so in love with one another and so in love with God? I got two brothers coming to put oil back in the lampstand of Portage County. The place where two rivers become one. Bobby Limley and Mark Castor are coming to circuit ride one more time to put oil in the lampstand. To announce to the North Gate, it's time to pray. It's time to get on our face. It's time to host presence. It's time that Jesus is enough. It's time. You know what you're going to have to let go of? The past to grab the baton of your future. Change is coming. Change is coming. 
And the angels that Tim Sheets assigned here never left. The angels that were assigned here by an apostle, an apostle never come and told them to leave. So they're still here, just like the days of Jericho, just been waiting. Are you for me or against me? We're with you. We're with you. And where did he see those angels at? Florida. So that's why there's a south gate in Florida and a north gate in Ohio. Because those angels got sent from the north to the south. And those angels, when Jason Townsend comes here in October, we're going to teach them to ascend and descend up and down the pipeline. You feel it? You feel it? You feel it? Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Then let's go. Let's finish this thing with John. Y'all getting this teaching tonight? Let's finish in James here. So we're called to tend the lampstand, right? We're called to prayer. We're called, what, what churches don't want to do, I need people, I need people. I don't need people, I need somebody to pray. I already know how to fill a building, I did that. 500 people in a gym, I know how to do that. We have more money and finances now with this crowd than we did with that 500. That's the truth. That's the truth for the people that say you need more people for more money, that's not the truth. You just need more beloved and you just need to trust and he'll bring the coin out of the fish's mouth. God's calling a lampstand. God's calling a lampstand. God's calling a lampstand. God's calling you to be a lampstand. God's calling you to be John Beloved. God's calling you, watch this, to change your routine. Are you hearing me? God's calling you to change your posture. God's calling you to change your everyday routine. God's calling you to change this thing up. God's asking the north gate to go back to the lampstand. John's on the Isle of Patmos, gets caught up in the spirit. He's facing one direction. He reforms to another direction. The spirit says, turn around, John. And when he turns around, he sees seven golden lampstands, which represent churches. And one of them looks like the son of man because he is the head of the church. We are called to be the lampstand of this state, region, and city. I don't want to be a mega church. I just want to be burning. I don't want to be a mega church. I want to be burning. I don't want to be a mega church. I want to be burning. I want to help restore a nation back to prayer. Might be why we got handed a glove. Might be why we got handed a glove at a national prayer meeting. Might be why Dutch Sheets handed us a glove. I believe when Mark gets here, we're going to put the gloves on. Does that mean we're going to fight the devil? Absolutely not. Just means we're ready. Just means we're ready. Just means we're ready. You know what the representation of those two gloves were? You know what the first representation was? When Bob Jones saw Lou Angle and Dutch Sheets, he told him about two boxing gloves. There's two giants that's going to fall in America. One will be abortion, which boom, Lou just took his swing. Roe versus Wade went down. The next one will be sexual perversion over our entire nation. You hear me? What divides a marriage more than anything? Money and intercourse. We're getting ready to take that giant down. What happens when every strip club, every pornographic site, every twist of a version gets closed down? Well, somebody say, that's impossible. Yeah, they said that about Roe versus Wade too. I, I just need some people that'll pray. What happens when you don't have to worry about giving your kids a phone because every form of aversion gets cut off? What happens when you don't have to, what happens, Romans 8, I don't have to fear. I'm not obligated to fear anymore. I'm not obligated to fear of trying to govern my children because God's about to move in in a mighty way and he's about to remove all the perversion from the earth. How do you know this? Because he just punched abortion right in the mouth. So God's calling you to pray. Why is he calling you to pray? Are there any believers in your fellowship suffering great hardship and distress? We walked through this with Victoria, have we not? And all we did was pray. Nobody's going to write a book on this. Nobody's going to make a movie on this. You know, we're going to get our brother back standing right over there in those balloons. We're going to get our brother back right there. We're going to get our, we're doing this because we want family member back, not because we want fame. Not because we want fame. 
And if you hadn't realized it, first season, man gets raised from the dead over heroin. This season, man gets raised from the dead over what we would think is a basic infirmity. And everybody I talk to about a brain aneurysm, he ain't going to live. He ain't going to live. He ain't going to live. You're about to find out how real God is. You're about to find out how real God is. Are there, are there any believers in your fellowship suffering great hardship and distress? Encourage them to pray. Not get their church on. Encourage them to pray. Are there happy, cheerful ones among you? Encourage them to sing out their praises. We did that tonight too, didn't we? It's a structure for the end game. Watch this. Are there any sick among you? This is the catch. Then ask the elders. I want Mike Thompson to come up here. I want Ed to come up here and Mike Nietzsche. Are there any sick among you? Then ask the elders of the church to come and pray over the sick. Anoint them with oil in the name of our Lord and pray the prayer of faith. This will heal the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if they have committed sins, they will be forgiven. Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another. Confess your faults one to another. And then pray for one another to be instantly healed for tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayers of a godly believer. Elijah was a man and a prophet with weaknesses and frailties, just like all of us. But he prayed and received supernatural answers. He actually shut up the heavens over the land so there would be no rain for three years. Then he prayed again and the skies opened and the land so that the rain came and produced a harvest. Finally, as members of God's beloved family, we must go after those who have wandered from the truth and bring them back to the truth. For the one who restores the sinner, sinner, one who loses his path, one who has lost his cadence, one who has been distracted, restore the sinner, the sinning believer, back to God, from the air of his way. Give back to his soul life from the dead and cover over countless sins by a demonstration of love. You ready for this? Are there any sick among you? Call the elders. Do you know that the word sickness right here in the Greek has nothing to do with infirmity or disease? Call forth the elders and pray. I love this Greek word is awesome. It literally means offenses, follies, critical, and faults. The word means kemino, which means those who are bound in this sin have become weary and worn down. If you find yourself weary, worn down, critical, finding fault in everybody and everything, then you're supposed to receive the gifts of a pastor, of a prophet, of a teacher, of the apostolic sent one. Y'all tracking with me? Y'all tracking with me? You tracking? You tracking? You know what you're supposed to do? Get right in the middle of these men. I'm weary. But you know what we do in religion? Get as far away. You know what we actually get close to? Those that are critical. Those that are weary. Because you'll find a glimpse of satisfaction when you can complain about the same thing. 
Because the power of agreement can birth a child. So if the power of agreement can bring life, guess what the power of agreement can also do? Bring death. And we thought, confess your faults one to another. And we thought call for the sick meant for somebody who's got cancer, which I believe in that kind of healing. But that's not the Greek word that's used here. That word that's used right there is you that are weary, worn out. You have somehow lost your everlasting light. What's that mean? I'm going to hell? Nope. Nope. It just means you can't help the blind to see. And the blind can't lead the blind. And so God is calling forth John 17 like neighbor before that we can begin to love one another. I need you to love one another the same way that I love the Father. I need you, look at me, I need you to love one another the same way that I love the Father. Why? Because he's got this whole thing predestined out. I just told you. He's got the whole thing planned out. The whole thing's planned out. The whole thing is planned out. And what is amazing is he keeps taking a smaller remnant and a smaller remnant and a smaller remnant, watch, and a smaller remnant to get so interwoven together so that you know what it makes it easy to do? Go find the wanderer and bring him back. You mean you remained the whole time? How did you remain the whole time? I found a love. I found a love that never fails. I found a love that doesn't condemn. I found a love. Because here's what I'm looking at on my journey over the last 10 years. I found a love. I found a tenderness. I found a peace. A peace that passes all my understanding. I found something. And then as I have found that, I've yoked up with another man that has found this. And he's yoked up with another man that has found this. And he's yoked up with another man that has found this. And right now, the enemy thinks that the wandering vagabond is the most effective thing in the earth. Nope. Because love's growing. How do I know love's growing? Because I see it growing in me. I see it growing in him. I see it growing in her. I see it growing in her. Some of you, as I'm talking in the room, tears are welling up in your eyes because you remembered what it felt like to not be able to love and now you get to love. You knew what it felt like to not have tears and you knew what it felt like to be critical all the time and you knew what it felt like to hurt all the time and you knew what it felt like to be bitter all the time but all of a sudden it didn't become about heaven or hell anymore. It became about I am my beloved's and he is mine and he loves me. And even when I mess up, he loves me. And even when I don't get it right, he loves me. And even when I mess it up, he loves me. Where'd you learn that? From an apostle. A gift that he sent into the earth named Damon. Where did you learn this thing about time? A gift named Bobby Limley. How come you haven't given up all the people that stabbed you in the back? Because I've watched Brad Custer stand strong and walk in honor and encouragement. And then I get to walk in that same for you. And then Victoria does it for me. You could have gave up that night. But the love of God came in that room. And not one family member wanted to say, our belief system changed. Our belief system changed. The doctor looked us in the eyes. Our belief system changed. Our belief system changed that night. Our belief system changed. Thank you for listening to this message from the North Beat. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.